On this episode of Ventures by the Lake, we talked to Abhinaya Kondaru, an investor at M25 and Chicago Tech community leader. Abhinaya is working on lots of resources for Chicago entrepreneurs, including an events text group, regular coffee chat meetups, and she even started a new founder matchmaking tool since we recorded this episode. In our talk, we cover how to get involved if you're new to the Chicago entrepreneurship scene, what Abhinaya looks for in founders as an early stage investor, and we even cover why we're making this podcast in the first place. Hope you enjoy. Chicago is home to some well-established names in U.S. business. Innovation is so important because it really is what drives the economic growth of the city. Every child. To celebrate its emerging status as an innovation hub. Their potential is what it is. Welcome to Ventures by the Lake. Today we are joined by Abhinaya Kandru. Um, Abhinaya, can you um, tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me first. Uh, super excited to be here to chat a little bit more about myself and the community. Um, so a bit of background. I've been part of the ecosystem for a while. Um, I've been part of the ecosystem even before I got into venture. I went to school here uh, in downtown University of Illinois, Chicago. So. I spent a ton of time in the Chicago tech ecosystem before even getting into it. Um, one of my goals when I was in college was to go to a tech or like some sort of meetup uh, at least once a week. So given that that was kind of my goal, I explored a ton of the Chicago tech ecosystem from going to like coding meetups to a bunch of events. Uh, 1871, Blue 1647, like all these uh, programs, projects, like getting started all over here. So um, goes to say that I've, I've been part of the ecosystem for a while uh, and love uh, being part of that. So I'm currently a investor at M25, where I focus on investing in pre-seed and seed stage companies here in the Midwest specifically. And one third of our portfolio is here based in Chicago. So uh, there's a lot that's writing on why we're focused on Midwest and specifically in Chicago and the ecosystem and we want to see where we want to see the ecosystem go in the next few years. So yeah, that's a quick background about myself. That's awesome. And I think we're super excited to talk a little bit about all the work you've done to kind of enhance the Chicago tech community and then also the things that aspiring founders current founders, early stage founders can do to fully take advantage of that. But first, I'm kind of interested in hearing a little bit more about when you got involved with a tech ecosystem in Chicago when you were UIC Flame, right? Um, what were you hoping? Like, did you know you wanted to end up being an investor? Did you want to be a founder yourself? What were your goals when, when you started um, getting involved? Yeah. Uh, when I came to college, I truly didn't know what I was going to be doing, uh, but I knew I loved the trading world of finance because I got exposed to that in high school. So I came in with the mindset that, hey, I'm going to be a trader. I'm going to be trading on a million dollar portfolio, if not more, and wanted that lifestyle. But I had a couple of job shadowing opportunities in college to see what it was like to be a trader, a trader and decided that that was not for me. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really started exploring the Chicago ecosystem and other roles of finance. Um, so I did a couple of internships throughout college, uh, really wanting to uh, figure out what I wanted to do, but at the same time, what I didn't want to do in terms of the culture, the size of the company, the role, because if you really think about it, you spend majority majority of your time working with your colleagues, with your uh, friends, more than you spend your time with family. So it was really important for me to find what I wanted to do and what I enjoyed doing. So I actually started making YouTube videos when I was in senior, senior year of college where I used to follow a couple of entrepreneurs here in Chicago and would make like a vlog slash documentary style of video about them. So basically I would follow them for a day and try to ask them questions and make a video out of that purely for selfish reasons. I actually wanted to know what an entrepreneur did on a day-to-day basis. Like, instead of just asking them for a cup of coffee, I'm like, hey, I want to spend the entire day <laughs> I want to videotape you. you all day, yeah. <laughs> and I will videotape all the parts, and in return, I'll give you the video. 
I had no background in making any videos. So I had to go from learning how to film, how to edit, how to produce, how to get it up on the internet, everything. So uh, I'm glad I did that uh, back then because now I feel like I don't have as much time to learn new things, but uh, back then I did. Um, so when I was doing all those videos, uh, one common theme amongst all the stories that I was telling was access to capital, but access to good capital. That's honestly when I learned about venture and kind of like the venture world and started digging into learning a little bit more about what it means to get funding and what it means to grow the company scale going from that zero to one, but also going from that one to the next level. And when I, I, I don't want to interrupt or actually I do want to interrupt real <laughs> quick. So when you say uh, good capital, what do you mean by that? Yeah it's 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 hard to answer that question because it means a lot of things for different stakeholders for my for my lens at that time uh, for me the good capital was it wasn't just a check it was like more than a check how can i or how can an investor be a true partner for you and i'm not saying that they have to, you have to be talking to your investor every single day but defining that good investor that goes beyond the capital that goes, uh, that's there for you when you need them, that's there checking up on you, that's there helping you kind of think about the next steps. So it was like a combination of an investor, a mentor, and somebody who had experience uh, in, in the space and that can really help you kind of get to the next stage. They won't be there forever, but at least getting you from where you are to the next stage and kind of putting in that effort and time of uh, beyond money. So that's what how I think about good capital. So um, when I was making all those videos, I started to think about what good capital means. And I was like, hey, why don't I just go make videos on VCs? So I reached out to a bunch of people here locally in Chicago wanting to make a video, but for VCs. I had a couple of people opted in, but that's when I learned about M25 to another investor here. Uh, in the community and got in front of them, went to the interview process, figured out that the role was going to be a really good combination of tech, finance, and entrepreneurship. And honestly, I didn't know a lot uh, about venture before getting into it, but that really helped me uh, kind of get into the venture because of the uh, experience that I had in the ecosystem, having gone to a lot of events. I've feel like I built out a little bit of my network in the community and wanted to figure out the venture world a lot more. So that's kind of how I got into M25, into venture and here in the ecosystem. Yeah. And speaking about those like early days of like going to events, who are some of the big um, people and organizations of what the ecosystem might have been back then and what it's what it is now and what it will be? Who are some of the big people putting on those events? And is there like any certain event that really stood out to you like wow this is this is such a great community chicago's venture and tech community is like one of a kind and i definitely want to build a career in it yeah um i think i would give it to for like three organizations i spent a lot of time on the coding side of the chicago tech system so i used to attend uh, a lot of like data science related start uh, events um our group and then the python group were very active uh, on that side. And then 1871 and Blue 1647 back in the day were the two other organizations that are related to startups that were hosting a lot of events uh, around that. So those were my main organizations that I would look up to when it comes to the meetups and getting involved in the community. I feel like a lot has changed since then. Like Blue 1647 it exists, but it's completely different now. 1871 is still pretty active, but not as active as what it was before, uh, but I think it's getting there. COVID definitely changed that dynamics on how we as ecosystem kind of get together. Um, and outside of that, um, we since I'm a little bit more on like the startup side now, uh, there are some other groups that are coming out and hosting events. And I feel like I tend to host a lot of events here in the community as well. So get to be on both atten attending and hosting. Well, we definitely want to talk about that, but um, I'm also curious. So when you were first getting involved with the tech community, um, you were taking the videos of, of early stage founders and, and everything and walking around talking to VCs. What 
stuck out about Chicago, or I guess like um, better question is when a lot of people think of tech and startups, especially four or five years ago, they thought of the Bay Area. What made you decide to stay here instead of go there? Absolutely, the vision of M25. Uh, if you think back, M25 and I joined the team, we were just a year into our fund two and pretty new to the ecosystem, even from investing. But our vision and mission of investing in the Midwest and in Chicago definitely helped me understand why I like Chicago more like I love Chicago and also why I think this was needed. So when you think about the coast versus the Midwest specifically, uh, one of the things that comes up is like, hey, there's a lot of capital on the coast. There's a lot of startups. Everybody goes there. But there are so many trends that point to the Midwest and Chicago that says that we are the next hub that is going to be getting there. And part of it is I like challenges. Um, uh, and I think there was a lot that we could be doing here in Chicago than in the other coastal cities. So that impact matters to me, uh, where I get to not just be part of a firm, but also be part of the ecosystem that's uh, improving every single day uh, for the past couple of years. And what are some of those trends? Um, because it's, it's one thing to probably anywhere you go, you'll hear people say, oh, like, this is the next big place. Like, what, what at least convinces you that Chicago is actually that? Yeah couple of reasons. One, I'll point to the flywheel founder trend. So Chicago had some early successes back in the day when you think about Grubhub or Groupon um, that kind of put Chicago uh, on the map of tech ecosystems uh, around the country. But we also had some setbacks. There's some good exits now when you compare it to some of the big exits that we had. But what all of this points to is to say that, hey, there are founders that are starting companies here. There are employees of those companies that have seen good exits are coming back and wanting to start companies. And there is a open opportunity here in the ecosystem when it comes to investing. Because if you're a founder that's starting to invest, that is starting to start a company and you are looking for funding, you were going to the coastals or the very few venture funds that were here in Chicago. So M25, our vision was, hey, we're going to be that first institutional check uh, when we uh, are backing the founders here because we saw that trend of flywheel founders. And even today, we're seeing that. Now we're even seeing some boomerangs, especially folks who have seen success on the coastal side coming to the Midwest or coming to Chicago to start their next company, which is great uh, because we need more of those success stories kind of building that flywheel of founders starting companies, exiting, coming back, starting and exiting, and kind of keeping that cycle going. That's one. And second, um, Midwest is the uh, region for your top Fortune 500 companies. We have so many, co uh, so many companies here that are not only pointing to the science of talent, but also pointing to science of innovation when it comes to digitization, to finding new tools to improve existing systems, all of those signs kind of point towards uh, the talent and also the innovation that's here. So those are a couple of the two reasons that I think it's like the Chicago is like a great ecosystem to be part of in not just from starting a company, but also on the investing side. And, and what like, in terms of getting specific with the unique benefits that the Chicago ecosystem might offer to those early stage founders. Like we're seeing those trends, but in, let's say I'm an early stage founder, I wanna start a company. What sort of unique benefits does Chicago offer me as that early stage founder um, that maybe I couldn't find elsewhere? Or if you have any ideas on that. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot that Chicago offers uniquely because every ecosystem has their own benefits, their own thing. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done here in the ecosystem to catch up, but we're starting to see that change. We have a lot more organizations now, like P33, World Business of Chicago, kind of stepping in in that direction of helping founders kind of figure out what it means at that early stage. But I do think uh, we as community members are very open to connecting with folks that we don't have 
previous connection with. So that cold email or like cold networking, I feel like it's a little bit easier uh, here in Chicago, especially if if you have no background trying to get into this ecosystem, it's way easier in getting connected here in Chicago. Awesome. So you've done a lot of work to build this community in the last few years. Um, I mean, I'm familiar mostly with the stuff you've done post-COVID and, and, and trying to build that back and kind of like that new Chicago tech ecosystem. Could you talk a little bit about that? And I guess starting with when did you realize that was something you wanted to do and how did you decide you were going to go about it? Yeah, um, I like how you said post-COVID because I think that's when I started getting active as well. Prior to that, I was a little bit more under the radar of like doing things. Uh, part of the reason is like after COVID, everybody was like trying to get back and trying to go to more events, trying to learn more, but there wasn't uh, much happening here in the ecosystem. That's when I got the chance to partner with my friends and like host a ton of events. Shata Carol being like the biggest event that we did from like 2021 to 2022 and hopefully this year again. Um, but Sorry, what was the question? I feel like so I what was like the the spark moment for you? If, if it was a moment or maybe it was a period of time, but just kind of like when you decided, I want to I want to yeah. start building this community. And then how did you go about doing? That? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that I noticed right after COVID was like all the efforts were siloed. It felt like founders were trying to do their own thing, investors were trying to do their own thing, and then everybody else is like doing their own thing, but there wasn't anything that was bringing all groups of people together. That was kind of like the aha moment of uh, trying to put all of these events together. My goal was to bring a lot of different groups of people together to see if there's a spark or magic that can happen when you bring so many awesome people into the group. So that was the main reason. Um, and I feel like we successfully done that for the past year and a half um, because we I get to hear so many success stories of hosting those events, especially connecting with other people that you wouldn't have. The best way that I think about it is like every person in the ecosystem is like a node and they have like their own networks, but how can I be the node that connects all of these different nodes? So that's kind of like my uh, thinking behind like doing all those events and bringing the community together. I would love to dive a little deeper. I know you've created um, a tool I use and I know a ton of people in this uh, community use is your text chain of events. Like what um, can you actually explain in your own words what that is? And then also kind of how you came up with that idea of like this is something we need and um, how, how people uh, can use it. Yeah. So the text chain is a weekly text that I send out to people about all the events that are happening, sometimes curated, but at least a list of all the events that you can check out. The reason why I started this was this was a problem for myself. There are so many things happening in the ecosystem, but there was no one way or like there, there wasn't one place where you can go to to see what's happening. Like if I'm someone like, hey, I have time today or I have time this week, what are, what's the event that I should be going to? It, it was super hard to aggregate or to even figure out where you even need to be looking for because everybody's hosting events when they're using their own networks and their own systems to uh, kind of advertise. So I was like, hey, there needs to be one place where if anybody's thinking about going to an event in Chicago, they should come to this place to figure out all the events. So that was the motivation behind, but I was thinking like, hey, should I do this in the email or format? Because that's usually what you typically do, right? But then I was like, you get bogged down by so many emails. Let me see if I can test something out. I'd rather get a text than an email that's just me. And I thought there, I'm sure there are people out there who would rather get a text than an email as well. So I'm gonna figure out how to do this. So I figured out a platform where I'm able to get a phone number and I'm able to text. A lot of people don't realize that they can actually text me back and it's like a platform where we can actually have a conversation. It acts like real texting. Uh, some people think it's just like an automated message, but no, I read every single text message that I get to that number and I respond to all of them. But the ultimate goal here is like a place to aggregate all the events that are happening in the ecosystem so we can really figure out um, 
what are some of the events that are happening and where you can be going there to be part of the ecosystem. Uh, I really hope that helped quite a bit of people. I hear about it all the time and now it has become a little bit more of like a uh, microphone of like, hey, here's here are the things that you should be going to. Do you have any success stories or is there anything you've seen, whether it's founders, um, anybody in the tech community where you're like, wow, that's really cool. I think they benefited from giving like something that you gave them access to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's about 240 people that get that text now uh, every single week. Um, there's so many events that people never heard of that ended up going that found them to be super successful or super helpful and they got something out of that whether that's a new relationship whether that's money especially investor and fundraising or getting getting in front of somebody that they ended up hiring so it it's super helpful uh, for folks in the community to have like one place where they can figure out what are some of the events? What are some places that I should be to go meet other people in the ecosystem? Speaking about meeting people and communities in the ecosystem, another um, initiative like you created and put on, which is pretty cool, is I don't know if it's 77 or 78, 77. but the 77 neighborhoods of Chicago um, coffee chats that you guys are doing. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, there's definitely a surprise at the end of 77 <laughs> coffee chats. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Brad uh, from Techstars and I have started to put together coffee chats in different neighborhoods in Chicago. Uh, when you hear about tech events, it's usually in River North, West Loop, maybe Loop area, but there's so many other neighborhoods in Chicago and it was just a way for us to really uh, put attention to those areas, but also go meet awesome people that are in, that are in those neighborhoods and connect with them. Um, this was all Brad's idea, by the way. I, I'm just like <laughs> the person that's like, hey, I want to be part of this. I will help you get this uh, going. Um, we were, uh, Brad, I hosted a breakfast event about a year ago and Brad came to, uh, to, to that. And that's when we started talking about, hey, I host a lot of events, but I tend to host them here in River North or in West Loop because it's just easier access. Uh, but then he's like, what about other neighborhoods? So that's kind of where the idea kind of sparked and wanted to do this initiative. Um, we're, we're on our third coffee chat that's coming up this week. So this is definitely like a two year long project. There's no way we can finish that this year. Just imagine 77 coffee chats. <laughs> I know Brad's had a ton of fun with that so far. But so who who are these coffee chats and, and these events? Who are they for? And this is kind of a leading question. But like, yeah. yeah. Founders, investors, community champions, anyone that's interested in tech is kind of how I define it. So you don't have to have any, you don't have to be at a certain stage or like have a business no. or anything. Just anyone can show up and yeah. yeah. This is especially really good for folks who haven't met a lot of tech people before and who are just starting to get interested in the tech world. So even if you're somebody who's coming from way different background, like this is an absolute beginner type of group chat or like just a place to be and place to engage with others in the ecosystem. Uh, our goal is to bring bring that access and hopefully they'll get to hear all the awesome things that Chicago has to offer and they join the ecosystem and they become more integrated by coming to more events or building their startups or getting funded and all of that cycle when it comes to that flywheel. I love I loved your reference to uh, or the the analogy to nodes and every node has its own connections and there might be a special connection that ends up getting you money or exposing you to more resources, mentoring, um, someone to work with, all that sort of stuff, because I feel like that's so true. And especially at these events, like there's so much value to, even if you're not very far along with an idea, showing up, talking about it, just like telling everyone there about it. And you're probably going to walk out of there with something more that you gained from those conversations than you did when you walked in. So, I mean, I, I think it's an absolute huge benefit going to those myself. So thank you yeah. for setting that up. When are you coming to the for next one? The next one? Yeah. Uh, we'll the text did just go out, I think, yesterday. Uh, for, that's a text chain. But yeah, when is when is the next coffee um, chat? What are the next We ones? try to do them on Thursday mornings. 
the next one is actually this Thursday that's coming up. We'll definitely include the information too on how to get on that text chain and then also the 77 coffees. Absolutely. So you can go get caffeinated with Brad. Yeah. But yeah, so super cool stuff. Is there anything else that you're doing to work with the community or are those the two main things? So those are the main two things. Um, outside of it, I spend a lot of time with founders who are just getting started with fundraising, who are looking for advice or who are looking for like the next steps on getting funded. Um, I'm in a position where I get to be the investor, but that also means that I can't invest in all companies because it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. So it's a unique position to be able to be helpful, whatever that means to the founder. Uh, while the most helpful thing for a founder is to get a check from an investor from M25. So kind of struggle with that balance a little bit of like, hey, I want to be a really good community member for you, make introductions to whoever you ask if I'm connected to them, uh, even though I can't be an investor if it's not a good fit. So um, I work with a ton of early stage founders who are looking to get introduced to the other nodes in my network and be connected with them. So that's one of the ways uh, that I get to be part of the ecosystem, which is making a lot of introductions. And I think that's one of the things that make Chicago's ecosystem really special. Uh, there, There are so many people like you who are willing at that investor level that are willing to share their nodes and share their connections, um, even if it's not the right fit. Um, maybe it's not the right fit at the moment, or maybe it never will be. But uh, the fact that you're willing to um, have those conversations with them and then figure out, okay, what do they need? Do they need mentorship? Do they need other investors in other sectors? Um, being able to like give them those resources is something I think makes Chicago uh, pretty unique. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely an air of when Chicago, like someone in Chicago wins, all of Chicago wins, which feels like a great thing for the community as a whole. Uh, something you mentioned, though, a second ago, and maybe it's time to kind of dive into more of that investor side. So coming from an investor, if you are an early stage founder, um, you have something you're working on, how do you know when it's right to try to pursue getting a check for that? Super hard question to answer. Yeah, this- it's, it's very individualized. Yeah. But in general, like, are there things to check boxes like that you need? Yeah, so I would be thinking about proof points. When you are at that early stage, the best proof point is your customer. It doesn't have to be a paying customer. It can be a person on a wait list, a pilot, a beta user, alpha user, whatever it is. Can you figure out a proof point to see if the solution that you have for the problem you define is the actual solution that the user wants? It's a convoluted way of thinking from an investing lens of team, product, and market, which are the most crucial things when it comes to investing at that pre-seed and seed stage. So those proof points would be kind of like the checkbox when when you start to think about when you're ready uh, for, for that funding. There aren't exactly metrics to define what those proof points mm-hmm. are. But if there's one that that I would put emphasis on is the growth of that proof point. How long did it take you from zero to 10 customers or 10 to 100 customers, depending on SMBs versus enterprise as kind of your customers or B2C on that side? So those proof points matter uh, quite a bit around how uh, founders can be thinking about when they're ready for investing. Uh, my next question with you being an investor in pre-seed and seed stage startups, uh, the lines of like what that stage is is very, very different. Um, a lot of people define it very differently. What would your definition of pre-seed and seed be? Yeah. Um, the founder has a couple of proof points and they have figured out a path to, to get to the next stage and they need X amount of money to get to that stage. So it's a lot of ifs, it's a lot of statements that don't have numbers behind to kind of define what that is. But ultimately it's about going from one milestone to the next milestone and the path that you have defined to get there. And keep in mind that you as a startup founder at the early stage are pivoting every week. So to define that you have to have exact path to get to a milestone isn't the best way to think, but 
we as an investor have to believe that you're the team to get to that milestone, even with all the pivots that you're going to make based on the market and then the industry that you're going after. For sure. So, and we have a great um, segment on validation too. I think, was it Andrew's episode or Pratik's episode? Pratik's episode, yeah. And just the importance of that and proving that a problem actually exists before going out and solving it. Also a question to you as an an investor who sees situations like this a lot, like how would someone go out and prove that there is a need or there's demand for um, what they're trying to do, that, that the problem exists and validate that when they don't have money in the first place. Because, I mean, I know that you can do that, but I'm interested to hear, what would you say to a founder that comes to you and says, well, I need money in order to prove this? Yeah, there are a lot of ways that you can prove that the customer is interested in this without putting in money. First, when you have an idea of a startup or like a problem or a solution that you want to address, the first step isn't to code the platform. The first step is to talk to your customers. And talking to your customers typically don't cost money. Because if this is a problem that the customer has, they if not, they're like more than happy to talk to you on addressing that problem, if not like telling you how to solve it by themselves. So you as a founder at those initial stages have to be like an investigator of like figuring out what are the different problems? Is this a solution? You kind of lead that with the hypothesis and figuring out if your hypothesis needs to change or come to a conclusion on what that solution is. Let's say you did get to that stage of like, hey, I talked to 10, people and they've all pointed me to this problem and this is something that they would pay for or this is something that that's truly a problem to them that their work isn't getting done because this is not solved. The next step could be Can I solve this with a little bit of money or manually even before I could go fundraise to get that money to build out the platform? When you do some of these things manually, especially without a platform, you learn a lot more of the control points or or where you need to be looking at to get that customer. So figuring out those target customers, talking to them, Trying to solve that problem with a solution that you have in mind in a manual way and then bringing those proof points to the point where you know for sure this is the path or this is the market, this is the problem and solution so you can go fundraise. That conversation also becomes easier when you're talking to investors at that pre-seed and seed stage because you've done all of this work up until that point. For sure. And, and something you said there that... I, I think it's super important is like oftentimes the word platform is thrown out a lot, right? And it, the way I see it at least is like a, a platform is usually not actually the solution to the problem. It's a solution to scale. So it's like once you already know how to solve a problem and do it on a one-to-one, one-to-two basis, it's like you can build a platform that then takes it to one to a hundred, one to a thousand, et cetera. Um, and I think the important thing to think about here is like, not every company needs to be funded from venture. There are a lot of different funding sources out there for you to think about how I could get this to the next stage. And I'm talking from like an investor lens. So Mm -hmm. that path is kind of like what you typically see. But if you're trying to build a company that might not be the best for venture backed companies, there are other sources of funding that can be a little bit easier or like even if not even more challenging to get access to and kind of point the company in that direction. For sure. I mean, Kevin, who will have him on the show at some point, has raised a pre-seed round pretty much through pitching um, and pitch competitions at colleges and universities, etc. But so many different ways to get funded and also bootstrapping too. like not every company needs to go out and raise money if if you have some founders that know how to build and they have the means to get by while they're building something, sometimes that's a super viable option as well. Yeah. But, and there are some success stories around founders who ended up getting funded by their customers, funded in the sense that they basically paid up front for, for a platform that they will get in the future, that they ended up using that to build that platform. So the founder got the chance to own that equity, didn't have to give up 
give that up for investors. The customer was happy because they returned their capital in the sense of a product that that the problem was getting solved. So kind of like a win-win situation. Almost like GoFundMe, but like from an exact real customer, not just a platform base. Exactly. I think there's like a subset of companies that could work for that type of model, but that's definitely an option when you think about uh, different ways of getting funded for you to kind of get to that next milestone. For sure. And and when we're talking about getting money and, and getting checks as a form of like, well, this is going to help me build my business as opposed to like, it's a feather in my cap of I raised this much, like suddenly there's so many more options of how you can actually go about that and what might make the most sense to you. But I also want to dive back to something you said a few minutes ago, um, which was when you invest in companies, it's the market needs to be big enough, but then the team also needs to be the right team in order to solve that problem. So I know every venture firm, every angel investor out there has their own thesis. What do you look for? to answer that question of, is this team the right team to be solving this problem? Yeah, again, another super tough thing to be very subjective, uh, uh, very objective on, because it's very subjective to uh, who the founder is, what their background is, and kind of what they're building. At the end of the day, it comes down to the insights that the founder has on the problem and the solution that the other people might not have. And then the next thing questions, why does this, why is this the team to be working on that problem? So it's, it's a way of thinking about your previous experience or your insights into the industry. And can we believe that you can build this company? I think there is some bias to like second time founders or like founders who have done it before, but, um, I, I like to think about it from the lens of, is this the founder that has the insights to go after this problem and solution to make it happen? For sure. What could that look? So the flip side to this is, let's say you have a very capable founder out there. Maybe it's a first time founder, someone who doesn't have a depth of industry experience in the problem that they're solving. And like they hear this and they go, oh, well, Maybe I'm not the right person to be solving this problem. Maybe this isn't the right team to do that. What would you say to them? And what sort of things can someone in that situation do to set them apart from everybody else? Yeah. Go convince another person that can balance you out. Maybe that person is the one that has the industry knowledge and you're the person that's running the business side of it. And you're complementing each other on figuring out the best way to solve this problem. So... When you think about a founder, one of the skills that they have to have is storytelling. You need the storytelling to convince other people to join your mission. You need that storytelling to convince investors to give you money. There's just comes down to the storytelling. So that is actually a good sign when you think about, hey, I'm a founder. I know there's this problem. I may not have exact background or industry expertise, but can I find a way to partner with somebody that could help me get to get there so that we can balance each other out in building in this. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's a great answer and that's a really important thing because at the end of the day, that's one of the great things about entrepreneurship is that you don't have to be someone that has like 40 years industry experience in order to go do something. If, if you are really passionate about a problem and think that your person is, you're the person there to solve it, it's like, then go ahead. I, Neil, who we'll definitely have him on the show at some point, but we want to we want to make sure we give him the full the full deal. Um, he has a TED talk called "You're Qualified to Try," and it's like I, I think that addresses it greatly. My my last question that I, I definitely have is thinking through um, being like a seed investor and being that first institutional check. What can the community do? and organizations, and we're talking World Business Chicago, P33, what can they do to prepare and broaden the spectrum so that pipeline of first checks gets larger and larger for the city? So there's two things. One, before they even get funded in like the first round, it's like it's helping founders get exposed to all of the different found 
all the different opportunities that exist out there when it comes to fundraising. I feel like we put a lot of emphasis on venture as a society being like the best source of funding. It's not for 99% of the founders that are out there. It's not the best sourcing of funding. So I would love for the community to do a little bit more work on defining all the different sources and helping founders realize what it means to get funded by those different sources. So that's that's that I feel like is the first one. And then the second one, when it does come to fundraising, there are a lot of terms when it comes to term sheet negotiation that a lot of founders don't have exposure to. So again, going to the education part, really picking all the different terms in a term sheet and helping identify the pros and cons of understanding what they are first, but also figuring out where you need to negotiate and where you need to come down on. So it's that balance of um, working on what matters to you now versus what matters later. So we talked to a lot of founders that don't have a lot of exposure to some of the terms that are used in term sheets when it comes to that investing stage. When it comes to us issuing the term sheet and like trying to negotiate back and forth, we do a lot of work on um, educating the founder of like why they're asking for some things, why some things matter to us more than than other, than other things. And again, I'm not here saying that you shouldn't be negotiating uh, against a particular term. You should absolutely be doing that, but you should understand the why behind and when you need to be pushing hard on those terms. Well, and also, like you said, at the beginning of the show, good capital at the end of the day, once you sign that term sheet, ideally, you're bringing someone on as a member of your team in a way, shape or form. And you want to make sure that both parties are aligned to move forward in the best way possible. So like as an investor, I'm sure you're thinking about that as well. This is a relationship you're probably going to have for more than 10 years. VC relationships sometimes last longer than marriages. So you, when you're thinking about taking a term sheet and like really negotiating on, like you want to make sure that you're partnering together in a way that is both beneficial for you and also you see the what other person is bringing to the table. And I think this is why it's really important for you as a founder to figure out who's on your cap table when it comes to all the superpowers of the investors that you're reaching out to. Everybody says that they can do everything, but there's one superpower that the investor brings to the table that outshines everybody else. So as a founder, you need to figure out what that superpower is for that investor and make sure you have all the different types of superpowers that you have access to. So when you get to a problem, even if that investor can't really help, let's say your lead isn't that helpful, there's another investor on the cap table that you can rely on. So as a founder, it's really important for you to be thinking about not just the lead, but also all the different superpowers that you want to have around the table. Yeah, I I absolutely love that. Um, I want to talk about a few more things before uh, we wrap this up. First of all, like we've been talking a lot about what you've done to enhance the community so far, everything there. What's next? What do you see um, the Chicago tech ecosystem? How do you see it developing over the next year, next two years, three years? And, and what are you most excited about? Yeah, I love all the help that we are getting from organizations like P33, World Business for Chicago, and other players in the ecosystem. <laughs> tech stars. <laughs> tech stars. You're an accelerator. <laughs> no, like, uh, part of that is, if you look back to the access to resources that are here in Chicago today versus back in the day, it has improved drastically. And I hope when I when I look back in five years that there are a lot more that we see in the ecosystem to be helpful for founders, investors, and all stakeholders that are involved in the process of making this city great and also making this city the next tech hub. It doesn't have to be the next tech hub. It, we just have to be ourselves. But getting access to resources, I think, is one of those things uh, that needs to happen. So I'm super uh, grateful for what has happened, but I'm also very hopeful for what's going to happen because of all of the legwork and all the foundation that we're building right now. Awesome. And that looks like a bright future for the Chicago tech ecosystem. I want to know what's next for you. 
where do you want to be in five years? What are you hoping to be doing? What impact are you hoping to be having? Hopefully still investing. <laughs> um, I definitely see myself as a long-time, uh, long-term investor. Um, I, I really love that I get to be part of the ecosystem and get to sit at the table and get to sit on the other side of the table uh, to, to, be, to be there for our founders. So um, I hope I'm still investing in five years. Hopefully write more checks, bigger checks. Uh, hopefully bigger everything and we get to see that impact in return. That's more founders, that's more wealth being distributed, that's more founders coming back and being part of the ecosystem and being helpful there. Awesome. And unless you have anything else, I think the, the last question that I have for you is, do you have any parting words for, say, an early stage founder working a full-time job, a student, someone who wants to really start to go full-time on their business? Like, do you have any advice for them? What would you say to them? How, how did, or sorry, how would you best get involved with the Chicago tech community and how can you leverage that in order to make that jump? Yeah, um, if you're a founder that's looking to get involved in the community, I think the first thing is show up at some of these events. You don't have to come to every single event, but start showing your face because people will remember and when more opportunities come by, you, your name, your face is coming up more frequently. So it's getting involved in the ecosystem, coming to events, uh, especially IRL events. Those tend to play into the ecosystem a lot more and super helpful for you to kind of get to know more people, but also start connecting those nodes. So even though you don't have somebody in your network, at least your second or third degree connections are there for you to get to the next stage. I will say this. Um, one of the problems that you see with events uh, here in Chicago is that sometimes we tend to see the same people or like the same group of people over and over again. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, when you compare our ecosystem to uh, some of the other ecosystems in the country, um, we don't have a lot of success stories in Chicago. So when there are those few success stories, those founders don't tend to show up to all the events. They only come to very few, and so you have to figure out how to how to work the room to uh, build those relationships. So, kind of going back to your question of like, what do I hope to see in five years? I hope to see more success stories so that more folks have those shots at getting into those networks uh, from from all these events and all of the advice that you typically get. I think like a really good example uh, here is. When you go to an event in SF, you, you're like running into at least two or three people who have had big exits. That's not the case here in Chicago. Uh, that I hope to see a huge change on. But going back to the advice, it's show up, uh, have fun. Don't just network, build actual relationships because they're gonna carry much further. Don't just ask, what do you do? Uh, Think about what else can you ask to get to know them, get to really know them mm -hmm. outside of their title, outside of what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. I love that. And also, by the way, uh, Chicago IRL events, if there's one on the roof of the Sears Tower, I guess the Willis Tower, it's not actually on the roof. I learned that the hard way. Um, so <laughs> I think that's the event I first met uh, you, though. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> So anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you coming, giving the time, and, and also everything you do for the greater ecosystem in Chicago as a whole. But so. let me ask you guys a question. Yes. yes. Turn it back. Yeah, yeah. Turn it back on us yeah. now. Why are you doing this podcast? Yeah. So we're actually going to film a whole podcast about this like intro to this, but um, to answer it quickly, and, and I'm speaking for us here. I want to hear your thoughts too. You but, get your first go, and then I'll fill in. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think... I've, I've heard of so many so many people out there like through friends um my first like individual connections also people who i've seen through tech stars to where it's like they're they're doing they're they're out there they are working at a job full-time or they're a student full-time and but they really want to be a founder and there's different degrees of where they can be in that process so like on the early end it's i'm passionate about entrepreneurship I always know that eventually I want to get out there and do something. There's a few ideas that I'm passionate about working in or a few areas that I'm passionate about working in problems I want to solve. Um, and then on the later stage, it's like, 
I'm working full time, but I have the side project. I'm already getting a little bit of interest. I'm already starting to reach those proof points and show that there is some demand for this, um, this thing that I'm building or I hope to build. But, but there's still oftentimes this hurdle of, okay, so I'm doing this full time and I want to be doing my startup or my side project full time. How do I get over that hurdle in order to get there? And, and what we want to do is highlight stories in Chicago of real life early stage founders, as well as like people like yourself who are building the community and offering opportunities to this group of people that we hope to bring on as our listeners and, and show almost case studies of like, okay, it's great to go listen to the story about how Uber was made or how Airbnb was made or these billion dollar exits. But sometimes those are painted with rose colored glasses and the, the learnings from those might not be as applicable to someone who's just very on that start of that journey. And, and we want to kind of paint the picture of, okay, here are some real life examples of this is what a real startup looks like in Chicago right now. We're going to follow them on their journey. They're nowhere near done, but like learning from these different examples and those are ways that you could go out and do that yourself. Or like, hopefully we can inspire people to say, okay, they, I, I am ready to make that jump. And here is what I need to make that jump. And then also painting the differences between those stories, because we love to have people come on and say things that we might not necessarily agree with, or they might conflict with each other in different episodes, might say different things, because it shows that there's more than one way to skin a cat or more than one way to solve a problem. I don't like skinning cats. so. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to sum it all up, like, I personally would love to see this impact um, really anyone who wants to go full time. And like, if, if we can help one founder do that, then we'll view that as a success. Hold on. Good now. Okay. Is, is it going? Awesome. Yeah, Thanks. Going. Awesome. Yeah. Um, for, for my end, Ed, and you, you summed it up pretty perfectly there. The only thing I would add is um, as a founder's journey sometimes, especially if the pandemic, it can be so lonely. Um, and especially if you're not connected in the ecosystem. Startup founders in the ecosystem at least have each other. They can always have each other's backs because they know, oh, if there's someone I can vent to, I can vent to one of the startup founders I'm friends with or someone in the ecosystem. Those people who have those business ideas um, but aren't necessarily tiding so well, um, they can hit those roadblocks and it's it's almost it's so daunting and it's a dead end for them. Whether it's them listening to these podcast stories and finding one that they can relate to or it's taking the opportunities to get on your text chain and dive into the community, it gives them, um, one, a roadmap from our, our podcast stories, and two, the opportunity to get involved where they can find that support group to get them over the hurdles so they can get and move those businesses forward. Yeah, your network of nodes, we want to help people plug into that. Yeah, I love it. I love how we're all working in our own ways, but at the end of the day, kind of coming together to make the ecosystem better and, and greater at the end of the day. I do have one request. Mm-hmm. If there is a event that you are looking to host, you or anybody who's listening to this that you don't see exist out there, you should definitely host it yourself. I'm more than happy to help you host it and promote it and share it with other people to get the right people in the room. I don't have to be the only one to be hosting a lot of events. I think it's great, but it's also a lot of work hosting yeah. these events. Uh, I would love for more folks to host them. It is really cool because I think you're so right. Chicago is one team, one dream. Um, and definitely, we, me and Anthony have talked about the possibility of um, maybe putting on a venture by like event someday. So definitely, when the time is right, we'll be, we'll be reaching out. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome.